0: Yes.
1: Okay. All right, well, we're very, very honored to to have you. Um, I know my name says John McMahon. I am not Johnny Iron. <laughs> I know you guys are good friends. I know but, what uh, he looks
0: like, so I, I, w- I wasn't expecting to see him. So. <laughs> okay.
1: He said he wanted to come on, but he's got to work on, on the truck right now, so uh, he's really well, excited. That's all
0: good. Uh, he said he would be listening in, so hopefully that will suffice.
1: Yes. Yes, he will. Absolutely. and. <clears throat> Just want to thank you for coming on. Um, this is Spirit Wars. I'm Michael Basham, and we're on the French Radio Network, and just it's a great honor and pleasure to have you here, and obviously you've been interviewed by uh, Skywatch TV. I grabbed their thumbnail because it's a great picture of you, <laughs> and you look great, sir, and it's just a it's really big honor to meet you and been Thanks. studying your I'm work, glad. and yeah, thank you so much.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: And I, I see that you are an attorney. As well, that's very active.
0: So I am a member of the State Bar of California. So I do, you know, I'm careful about what I what I say and what it, what I'm allowed to say, stuff like that. But yeah, I uh, okay. became a member of the bar in 1998. So it's been 20 years. 20 years of members paying dues. Inactive, you still have to pay dues.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, and so that must have been when you were 15. I guess you uh passed right,
0: the Okay, exactly right. I was yeah. one of the earliest members that passed the bar. So, I was actually 13, so just just to clarify. that.
1: I see. I wish I was
0: 20 29. So. <clears throat> wow.
1: wow. good job. Well, my cousin passed when he was 18. That's but still For Really? Yeah. For real? Yeah. In California? Um not really not sure. He he's just did he he's a homeschooler went to the Chicago library and just passed it. Like, (laughs) didn't even go to university. That must
0: be very smart. Different, uh, Chicago, Illinois, New York, and California are the most difficult bars. Typically, those are the hardest to pass. I know California had a three-day, whereas most states only have two days of uh, essay tests. But, uh, yeah, California and New York are generally the hardest. Although I think California is in the process of dumbing that's the bar down, so that more people can pass. So I think it's it's now a two day bar exam. Which, That's uh, good. Is a mistake.
1: Yeah, we na- we no, definitely need dumber the... lawyers. More dumb lawyers. No, right? No, no, they should make
0: it. They should make it four days. They should make it four days.
1: <laughs> well, I noticed that, and let me just really quick go through your bio here for people that aren't familiar with your work. But um, just from, taking from your from your Amazon um, store, which you have some incredible books here on Alistair Crowley. And, uh, obviously you've graduated from university of California with a degree in history and, um, that you've, these books, like these are key. My wife's actually, um, probably going to come and say hi to she's been into Aleister Crowley before is familiar with Alistair Crowley, but you're author of 9 uh, 11 and the New World Order, The Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders and Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity. And you also my have made two documentaries.
0: Was, my first book was Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, Nine Eleven, and the New World Order. That was my first
1: book. Oh, you know what? I started, yeah, I read. <laughs> you got, <laughs> a that. That okay. I got a piece of that. You got a piece of that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the full title. It's overly
0: long title, but I tried to put yes. all of the in that one book together because most people I think would not not think that those you know Crowley and 9-11 and the New World Order were all kind of mashed together
1: and now you have a new edition of that coming out now or am I Correct. mistaken I okay. just,
0: yes I just finished it so it'll be out awesome. next week awesome. 6 by 9 redid it, put pictures in wrote a little bit so I'm definitely tinkering around with it I made a mistake when I published it because when I wrote that book I self-published it. I've self-published all my books, but I print, literally printed it out on 8x10 paper so that when I went to make the book on CreateSpace, I just kept the 8x10, which is a mistake. It really, all books should really be 6x9, so they fit properly in a bookshelf. So now the book is 6x9. So.
1: Well, just the spirit of the way that you're producing this content, writing books, is just... It's it's an... Emer- like, doing your podcast, brilliant podcast. I was so excited to see that you have... Of an awesome lineup of shows I've been going through those and the spirit of just putting this information out there not waiting for you know all the big publishers to find you or all the right formatting or whatever it's just like this information needs to be available and I appreciate well, that so much
0: yeah it's an interesting observation because I did kind of look around eight years ago when I published my first book and the offers I was getting were like 10 cents on net. Profits, and uh, you lose, uh, you know, you lose kind of authority over the information, and somebody else would edit it, and blah, you know, all this other things that would have made it very onerous and overly complex for me. Now I just keep total control, and also I say I don't want people tell me, you know, you should really just write a book about Aleister Crowley and take nine eleven out of it, and this whole new world order concept, and I said no, but I think that my my thesis is that all that stuff works together. That's why. I have that book, so it's in, it's interesting that you made that comment, because I, I it wasn't like I just self-published on a whim. I actually looked around and went, oh, man, this is the best route for me, you know, is to just put it out like this.
1: Well, for those that aren't uh, familiar with your whole story, and I hope that people will go and uh, purchase your book next week, uh, Prophet of Evil, and he did consider himself the prophet of Satan, which we're going to get into that Um but how did you go from being an attorney to getting into this topic and what was the wake up point what was who gave you the red pill you know i was probably if you
0: if i would have taken a red pill it probably happened to me when i was going to law school in dc i was always willing to consider alternate ideas and investigate things on my own but i was in dc and i worked briefly on the vince foster case that, you know, the public or there are a lot of these people are saying committed suicide. I don't I was there. I worked with a guy by the name of John Clark, and he clearly did not go to Fort Marcy Park and kill himself. So that was really it. So that's and then the really interesting aspect of that story was that yeah, that was a very difficult position to take because the media and all these people were reinforcing this notion that he committed suicide. So that was a, it was a tough environment to be in. Like I'm saying, no way, this is not plausible. There's all kinds of problems in that case. Anyway, so that was really it. So then I really had, I was actually a very naive person. I believed everything that, you know, my college professors told me I was part of the system. I was part of the public school system. I mean, public school system. So I was real, just a true believer and never really, I mean, maybe there were glimmers of things like, John F. Kennedy and things like that. But then when that happened, that really twisted everything. That's probably 1996. And so then I started reading things on my own. And, and, you know, and then I was I was really willing to, you know, I went through an Alex Jones phase and I was really willing to kind of do things and, and, and entertain other ideas. And that's really how it got started. So that's what kind of that seed led directly or, you know, slowly to my first book, Prophet of Evil.
1: So there might be a slight delay. We're in Honolulu right now. It's better than when I was in Taiwan, but um, interesting. No so you were, now, how did you meet Johnny McMahon? Because that's another. That's like man, that you got. Yeah, that's, that's the part fringe.
0: Of the, the old story. So when I first published my book, I figured I was going to promote it myself, and I sent out to all, anybody who I thought might be interested. It's definitely a Christian-based book without too much of the Bible or Scripture integrated. Into it. I have a couple quotes at the beginning, but I do believe that that the contents of the book fit in with biblical prophecy and fit in with the biblical narrative of the much larger contest for humanity by evil and good forces. So I I call, you know, I talk to Christians. I learned a lot about podcasting environments. Some people really, if you say you're a Christian, it's like, like no go. And then that's how I led to Johnny, which was episode number 20. I think I talked to you about that earlier in yeah. the week that I was episode 20 of Iron Shows.
1: Legendary. It's like yeah. the legendary episode. Johnny, too, he's like, oh, that's episode 20! <laughs> like, he's so happy that we're having Early
0: that. in the intro, <laughs> and so I was on, what did I go on, Canary Cry, a very long time ago, so I was on a few shows and people were willing to entertain me, and I was always of the attitude you know, just to try to get my opinion out there, so that's really how I, Johnny, and then we came became Facebook friends, and then You know, we just kind of keep in touch. Last night we were chatting about all kinds of interesting subjects. So we're still, you know, keeping in touch.
1: Well, I I like to keep things lighthearted too because some of this stuff is just so dang evil and horrifying that you almost have to have a sense of humor. And the more evil and horrifying things get, the more humor you almost need to counterbalance it. And, you know, I'm coming out of Taiwan dealing with pedophiles and sex cult people and um, a cult that branched off of the Jesus people well they say they started that the family international the children of God and just you know I would actually love to get your advice on on some of these situations that we ran into with them Um, but I noticed that you you've been really putting out the radar helping people coming out of you know the Jesus people movement Um, great episode
0: somebody yeah she was in the uh, what was her name it's um it'll come to me but I do have an episode about the Jesus people yeah I didn't know much about them, you know, but uh, I learned something about them.
1: And then from my own family's perspective, um, coming from the Covenant shepherding movement, which she mentioned, that dovetails with her cult thing, but my grandfather was one of the guys that helped start that, Don Basham, so then you know, he wrote lots of books on deliverance that were great, but then the cult stuff started later, and a lot of people got hurt by that, so it's just you know, you find this stuff everywhere, and, and now like the only thing that really kind of grounds me, at least for what we're needing to do and a lot of my audience too, is like finding the real enemy. You know, knowing that there is this primordial evil and that people like Alistair Crowley have really injected that into modern society and even in, into German like into Nazi Germany, like some of the things yeah. that Hitler was doing, he may have affected. Just like no doubt. Wow. No doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the '30s. There he was in uh, Berlin,
0: right as Hitler came to power, which is interesting. If you look at the whole line of Crowley's life, he was in places where revolutions were either brewing or actually happening. He was in Russia in 1905; mm-hmm. the revolution took place there. I mean, there was the 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 pot was simmering, and then ended in 1917 that revolution. And then he was um, in actually Italy when Mussolini took over the black shirts in Rome, and I think that was 1923, which led to Mussolini kicking him out permanently of Italy, and then he somehow ends up in Germany in the 19, early 30s, and there's possible people, researchers are saying he might have gone there between 36 and 39, which was also of telling, and he had followers, and it's important to remember that he was the head of a German secret society. The OTO is not, star- a lot of uh, people think, and, and it's, a, it's a misunderstanding, think that he was he started the OTO. He didn't. he became the head in 1925 after its founders, German occultists, passed away. So, um, and then he changed all of his ritual their rituals to include all of his stuff. But it's pretty fascinating to see how he was and also, and then we go back to World War I. he's in the United States helping British intelligence get the United States. and the word comes to the United States on the Lusitania, and then the Lusitania is sinking leads directly to the American involvement in World War I, which changes the course of the war. So you have all this, and I've been rereading some of the Crowley stuff, and there's a really good book called Secret Agent 666 by Gary Spence that talks about Crowley's intelligence, but in his memoirs called The Confessions, he's stating and, and naming names of known intelligence assets in New York, guys like this guy, Guy Gaunt, like people he knew, and it's, so he's right in there, and all of these very... Interesting things, but like your statement about Hitler, there's some, there's very similar things between Crowley and Hitler that are almost carbon copies. So it's really something how he really and I think his goal really was to influence. You know, he he gave these ridiculous public pronouncements in front of an obelisk in London saying there'll be these great wars, and sure enough, you know, he lived through two titanic global conflicts and resulted in the death of tens of millions of people.
1: And then he has Ozzy Osbourne making songs about Crowley, like with these ridiculous like, music videos. I don't know. I'm sure you probably studied that video.
0: Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Jennifer I mean, just showed and, it to me, and, me yeah, the other day. don't know how deep it goes with him. I mean, they're flying high again is about astral travel, something Crowley was doing. Astral so travel. Effects, yeah. yeah. So like children of the beast, I cover, all of those people, like Ozzy Osbourne, all these well-known people, Timothy Leary, um, Kenneth Anger, all interested in Crowley or following Crowley's tradition. Kinsey, sexologist, was interested in Crowley, and that guy was, was crazy. So, I mean, it's, uh, I think that there's a lot, a lot of it is under the surface. So, And even the founder of the gay rights movement played, and and this is interesting, but he played the organ at the early OTO meetings with Jack Parsons in L.A. And Jack Parsons is in the show right now called Strange Angel. I was actually talking to John about it. John McMahon, um, he's watching. I haven't, but you see these interesting tie-ins. That, you know, the whole gay rights movement could have come out. And there's not a lot of details about how much Crowley, the guy whose name I can't remember right now, was all. But here's this huge movement that's morphing now into. Not just gay, but Stone Cold pedophilia and weird gender uh, gender guides, where you can be somewhere on some spectrum. I mean, it's all those kind of evil weeds were planted a long time ago. It's uh,
1: I haven't been to the states in ten years, and coming here three weeks ago. to get married. Actually, we're on our honeymoon today. So I was just like, thank you, wife, for letting me interview and do talk about Aleister Crowley and, and evil Satan stuff. Well, But she's interested. I mean, we're, one of the reasons we're married, we met through these kind of channels, through these kind of oh, networks cool. of, you know, through the fringe, through, thanks. And um, it's exciting to be exploring this, and we're really interested in taking it to the next level, like seeing, alright, what are we as Christians supposed to do about this stuff? How can we utilized real spiritual warfare, like, you know, the actual living god of battles that protected the Israelites against all these Moloch, Baal, demon worshippers. How do we get him, inject him into this? Because it seems to me that there's an awful lot of information out there, and you're familiar with the Fringe and podcasting and everything, sure. To and I've heard a few people ask you this question, but I would like to ask you it in, in a different angle. How do you see Alistair Crowley um bringing about the modern UFO phenomena. And I'll just, you know, as, as if I don't know anything, what's the Crowley connection to the whole alien thing? It's an
0: excellent question. And I think it goes back to when Crowley was in New York, of all places, he did something called the Alamantra working, which he would do these workings, Alamantra, Gerensis, these different Algaides, these very strangely named things where he would do them over a series of days. And being communicated, communication with discarnate entities. And he was caught in the Iowas, these different names, the wizard. And the owl mantra working ended up, he wrote this kind of occult encyclopedia he called the Equinox. And there were 10 copies. And he really tried to make an encyclopedia. There's real questions about how thorough he was. He put a lot of his poetry in there, but I think he just wanted to have an impressive set of books to say, I've got this encyclopedia but in the one of the final copies of the equinox called the blue equinox there's a picture of this entity he called lamb and its kabbalic number was 71 but a lamb is like llama it's a titular phrase it's like a a noble one and it's kind of kind of comes into Crowley's attempt to bring eastern ideas into western esotericism so but this this land this entity it looks like what you would call today a gray alien. So I would say that that is this contact that comes into modern ufology. It goes back to Crowley, maybe even before that, into this notion of the secret chiefs. But really, Crowley with this drawing is a remarkable pre-Roswell. Drawing that um, goes in, and then you know, I talked about three. I couldn't call myself a ufologist, but I find it remarkable that a lot of these guys who are out there in the modern UFO movement, whether it's Lavenda, who is with DeLong these days on the uh battle travel to the stars academy, Lavenda, an occultist who 99 percent sure wrote the Necronomicon based on something out of uh, the writings of H.P. Lovecraft, so creating this whole myth. out of nothing, really. The Necronomicon is is considered an occult book, but there's no real basis. It claims its ties back to Babylonian religion, which kind of ties into Old Testament stuff. But Labenda and this guy Streber, who wrote the thing of the communion, causing it's so fascinating because he's, he's, he's using this picture that looks like Crowley in his communion with these entities. But that line between ufology for me and occultism is cultism is very blurred, because he's talking about these this kind of contact with these entities, calling them extraterrestrials, but they could be extra dimensional. So I think that that would be kind of the Crowleyan tie into ufology is that they're really not unidentified flying objects; these are these are discarnate entities. People are having dark spiritual things, whether they're being taken somewhere else or whether they're being subjected to sleep paralysis. But what's what's scary is looking at these, there was this meeting in the desert that they had, and I had a conversation with Joe from the Carolinas on my podcast. But I'm looking at these people. This guy's an occultist. This guy's a cultist. This guy is a scammer. I mean, it's not a credible group of, group of um, objective scientists, in my opinion, who are really looking into that. One of the interesting things I wrote about in *Children of Beasts* is this guy Jacques Vallee, who also makes the—he's like one of the UFOs early guys. But he makes the argument of these are extraterrestrials. But there was a meeting between him and one of Crowley's main followers, a guy by the name of McMurtry, who actually sat at Crowley's knee, and then ended up in Berkeley. And it was him, Robert Anton Wilson, who was a huge Crowley admirer, who I cover in *Children of the Beast* and McMurtry talking about what these extra dimensional entities were and it's a fascinating little piece that ties into ufology so my opinion looking at all that stuff would be that this ufo phenomenon isn't extra these beings from other planets it's something spiritual of a darker shape and form and one of the interesting things you find out if you study Streber, who's probably the big guy who got some weird experiences with these entities that ties into kind of crowley's views of Dark sexuality, but he was also a member of, or was associating with, or made a documentary about the group Process Church of the Final Judgment, who got their inspiration from Scientology, Crowley, Scientology to themselves. They're basically a Scientology offshoot. If you read *Children of the Beast*, you see that um, Hubbard's son called him, you know, a guy who was uh, interested in Crowley and used to fondle Crowley's writings before he would give his speeches. So you see this really strange tie that ties from Crowley through some of these other occult influence groups like Scientology and the Process Church to modern ufology.
1: Now, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm muted there. Um, so the final analysis and that was Joe from the Carolinas interview is really really important because we've a lot of us have followed like uh, David Wilcock and some of these guys. That what was the final analysis on him then? Was are we are we thinking that? he's involved in, cause didn't he come out saying like they're Satanists and they're trying to make me into a Satanist and there's all this Louis and blah, blah, blah. And he said, he's a Christian or.
0: Uh, who, who Wilcock? Wilcock. Yeah. Joe? Yeah. Wilcock. My understanding of what I found out. I think that Joe mentioned it is that he believes he's the reincarnation of uh, what's his name. Uh, oh, not Clancy. I forgot the last name of this kind of spiritualist. So I don't think he's a Christian, but I think what's interesting and what Joe uh, enlightened me about is these guys came out of Gaia TV, him and this other guy, Jordan Sather, and uh, you know not really a credible source in a lot of ways. So um, I don't think Wilcock is a Christian at all. No, he's a new ager. Okay. And uh, okay. I think so same as this Corey Good, who is supposedly in contact with these blue chickens or blue – Spherical beings, like, I don't know, so, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of evidence, man. When you look at this stuff, there's a lot of talk, but there's very little evidence. Yeah. Hey, can I record yeah. this? I think I need your
1: permission to record it. Uh, yeah, we, we need to write all the legal documents, and uh, there's there's paperwork, and uh, you know, we're just we're having.
0: It says, please request record permission from the meeting host.
1: Oh, I'm recording it too. We'll send it I'll okay. send you all the stuff. We okay. got audio, we got Spreaker gone, we got we got okay. Zoom. I mean, you know, the world could end and, gonna, and I could jump I right put in.
0: It, I wanna put it up uh, uh, tonight on YouTube. Anyway, so um yeah, so yeah, there's a uh, really fascinating stuff between Crowley and modern ufology that I, I really didn't key into any uh, before the last year, you know, I really started researching. Like, whoa, what's Lavenda doing here? Why is he ghost writing a book for DeLong? This public thing. And I had a real strange tie with Lavenda too, which not a lot of people know of. But when I published myself, published my book, trying day publishing put out a book with this ghost writer, S.K. Bain, called the most dangerous book in the world. That was basically my a lot of my research. But their ending. Was so sketchy and totally fake, and here's Lavenda ghostwriting this, and it's an abar- it's an embarrassing book. But it's just amazing how they wanted to twist the message of my book. Because if you look at the conclusions of my book, totally different kind of Christian oriented, and I expose some powerful people who are into Crowley and numerology, and they just totally took all that out. So, but I've had the communication with Lavenda. He and I have sent some interesting missives which I should post again, but yeah, he uh what did we talk about? I can't remember, but yeah. He's uh he's an interesting character. He goes all the way back to this occult bookstore in New York called The Magical Child that was run by a guy by the name of Herman Slater. And and he has had all these meetings with the same people I talked about just earlier, McMurtry and the found the guy who wrote the X-Men. That's why that X is in there for the X-Men. It actually comes out of the occult, this so. whole Symbology, yeah, you
1: know, so it's interesting. One question. One question that I also have is um, you have so much work out there, and I'm not going to pretend like I was so prepared that I read every book of yours. It's going to be a long-term thing. We're going to be looking at your work and following your podcasts and obviously hoping to um, gather intel, important key intel, as we're charting out our course. You know, But have you noticed a lot of people taking your – just very, very meticulous research, which is obvious. You're just extremely knowledgeable about Aleister Crowley and just the way that he's interwoven into so many different things. Have you noticed like a lot of plagiarism going on? Like, are there? Because there's so many people out there that are making YouTube channels and then they write their expert book and you know. And no offense to David Wilcock, I'd love to interview him sometime. But like, it just seems to me like a lot of these guys they show up out of nowhere and then suddenly you know they're the expert. And you're like, right, where did yeah. you come from? <laughs> like, exactly why well, do you, you know? say that?
0: Because they're placing themselves. So these guys Wilcock and stay start talking about things that are, people are interested in, like QAnon, these kind of non-new age things. But they're moving towards what the public is: UFOs, maybe. But I, you know, when I wrote the book, when I wrote it and published it in 2010, nobody was talking about Crowley. They didn't understand the Book of the Law was received by Satan. They didn't understand in my opinion, the philemic or occult numerology that the guys who created 2001 put into the event. So I was definitely trying to you know, impress upon a public that notion. And now I see people mentioning Curly. I've watched Jones, who, who actually referenced one of my uh, videos about Hillary Clinton being sick. It has like 4 million views. But I'll be watching Jones, and he'll go, oh, uh, Hillary Clinton, she likes that Alistair Crowley stuff. So she keeps mentioning Crowley without really having, you know, he has a very superficial understanding. He just says, "Oh, that's Crowley," you know. So he's mentioning Crowley, and so I've seen, you know, I think that, and I've seen other writers kind of now looking into that subject, and you know, I actually, I actually applaud that. I think it's important, you know. I don't, th- you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of you know, just a reference, you know, a plate, like I got this idea. Even they wrote when I when they are telling that book about uh, the most dangerous book ever written, they said, Oh, this is based upon the wor- uh writings of William Ramsey. Now we're gonna bungle the whole thing. But yeah, so you know that's that was my intent is get people to talk about that. So I, I don't really feel like that. I think it's an important subject. If Alistair Crowley's ideas are influencing nine eleven and all these heavy-duty, high-level cultists are doing it, the public has to know. You know, it's very important. Yeah. I'm well, I mean, I think that actually it's interesting because I think that the, the real architect of the whole event died, David Rockefeller, who had the money, the juice, had all the connections, passed away, and nobody really saw him. You know, they were just like another, it was just another thing. The only person who really reported on it was uh, James Corbett, and but it was it's a yeah, but it was a tight it was an epic event. He was just a giant a giant in, in building all of these buildings, the non to trade center, the UN. He's just tied to everybody, a backer of the bushes. I mean, he's all over the place. So um yeah, it's just some you know, I think the public, I mean the 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 mass media is just really there to kind of create sound and fury and miss. Have, make the, make sure the public misinterprets what's really the most important, you know, I think, the most important thing about. Well,
1: and, and it would be great if, if you know, Alex Jones uh, had you on regularly to kind of analyze, I mean, that's the beauty of having a network, is where you can be like, instead of pretending like you know everything about Crawley, now we can just call on you and be like, oh my gosh, we need to get Ramsey on, let's find out what does this mean, and Rockefeller's passing, you know, how is that significant to the whole timeline, and you know, what about this numerological weird exercise that the illuminati is doing with this thing and you know just i mean you can see the whole you're just like focused in on this so well that you should definitely have well, your voice you know included in, and then you should get credit well, I, for it well
0: i appreciate, I appreciate that. that you know well, i think, I think that, that i think i was actually a person who believed the cover story of 9-11 i believe when they said that this guy did it you know, so when, when there was a slow process where the scales came off my eyes from 2003, 2004, and when I realized nothing else was going on, then I had to go back to the books and drawing and go, what really is happening? What happened? What led up to 9-11? You know? And what's the numerology? What does it mean? It's, it's referencing ideas. It's referencing concepts. So I think that, you know, I think that if you're not part of these elite circles and secret societies. You're being you're left out of these greater social societal movements that are under the table, right? So I think you know I don't come from one of I'm a public school person. I went to all public schools. I don't have an elite pedigree. So for me, you know, it was uh, important for me just to understand. Like I was out there just researching myself. I've probably never written a book, but I was like, this is important. You know, I think I should put this down and codify it in a book so anybody can read it anywhere at any time. That's really why I wrote it.
1: Well, and and you don't have, like, this... I mean, obviously, your YouTube channel, you have videos with just millions of hits that are about current events, but you're not sucked into, like, the latest thing and, oh, my gosh, you know, now this war could start. Although, I would be interested to hear your opinion on certain things that are happening right now, like the shutting down of free speech and just the whole war against anybody that's talking outside the box, it seems like that's really risen. Like, I feel like I came back to America just in time to be a part of all this stuff. I'll stay in Hawaii, though, very much, but, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, that's probably why. I um, mean, it's, it's amazing, amazing to, to think, think that, that they're, they're actually, actually trying, trying to, to curtail free speech free or try to inhibit people from, from discussing from any, any subject. So, you know, I, I think that, for me, I got to a certain point where I realized that My My idea is I was going along, like, going down down the river with the the concepts concepts in the the mass media at the the same time. time, You know, so so in a way, way, I think that that that's actually one of the short-sighted things about alternate media is they're actually still uh, reacting to what the mass media is saying, even if the mass media is just completely full of baloney. The whole Russian investigation, there's no evidence. And, I mean, the thing, really what it is, is it's actually a masterful, and it only started after Trump became president should tell you everything, but it's really a masterful way to deflect from the criminality, the criminality, and the stone cold betrayals of Clinton and possibly even Barack Obama, who was involved in actually involved in 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 sending assets into the Trump administration to spy on them. I mean it's incredible. So uh, yeah so if you're stuck if I'm stuck reacting to their thing and I'm actually just uh being led along like a cow with a uh, ring in its nose, you know okay, come along and oh no, there's no russia thing this will, you know then i'm re- I'm actually giving what they're saying, which is totally transparent nonsense credence right so
1: uh very important I mean, I'm, and what I see them and what i in dealing with luciferian people who lie and and you know I've dealt with I've been taken to Taiwanese court like ten times this last year. Um, you know, my daughter was kidnapped by these false Christians, and we were trying to get these Norwegians out of uh, the country back to Norway, and that's where how it all started. And we were, we really got like a almost like a metaphysical doctrine in criminology because you start to see how the devil like twists everything upside down. So if they say something, it's exactly the opposite thing that's true. So and they'll go into court, they'll commit perjury over and over again. They don't care. They're just so bold faced liars and they love to hurt innocence. We're still fighting to get my daughter back. But um you know, what well, I see no, no, with this is like with Russia.
0: True, yeah.
1: I would love to yeah, I would love to someday, you know, when right now I'd like I'd like to just kind of introduce you to, to a lot of my friends and um, get to know you personally, but I have a lot of stories to tell you and it seems like you're on the same track with a lot of this stuff and not forgetting history, because one thing that Alex Jones, that I love him so much, and I'm thankful for what he does, but they're kind of getting sucked into just what's happening today, and they've gotten so close to the White House now that it's a little bit hard for them to kind of pull back and see the big picture, and that's why we need to keep all of our voices out there, especially yours, and just be like looking at, okay, well, let's look at the Jesus people thing, and all right, let's look at... New age ufology and with regards to Aleister Crowley. And then, you know, with the Russia stuff, how would that play into Aleister Crowley's thinking? The, all the lying, like maybe, I mean, in my opinion, you could, I'd like to hear yours, but it means that maybe Russia's turning back to God and maybe a Trump-Russia connection is a great thing for the, for freedom of humanity. <laughs> you know, I don't know.
0: Well, that's a good, good point. point. I you mean, that's, that's what's happening. I happened. just I saw, saw a video of uh, Putin taking place in a procession for the root, the actual real God, the real original Russian, his name was Rus, his conversion to Christianity. So it was pretty fascinating. And, uh, you know, Orthodox Christianity claims the real 2000 year basis going back to the original church. That is pretty fascinating. I mean, the Catholic church does it as well, but um and I think that that's the change. I mean, they're taking that position anti-Islam. I mean, Islam and Christianity are oil and water. They really can't coexist. It's two totally different ideas. And Islam and, and Muhammad himself said that Christ didn't die on the cross, which is an essential aspect to the nature and divinity of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, and Russia taking that position. Some of these other countries like Hungary and uh, Poland. So I think that that religious position as a Christian is proper. Uh, I'm not anti, I'm not anti, I don't do not hate Islamic people. I just think that they're under a deception. But, uh, so I think that the Russians may be on the good end. Why are we making Russia a boogeyman? You know, there was that big hub of, you know, the, the left howls at anything Trump says anyway. But they howled at him trying to make peace with a so, you know, a considered enemy or a long time con- Adversary of the United States. What's wrong with that? Was it was that being weak or is that being strong? I would say it's being strong if you're trying to make peace and not have conflict with a, a country that's capable of through nuclear war. You know, so that kind of uh, that outrage is feigned, and it's just outrage on everything. You know, and I think that that goes towards a larger issue of public civility and just kind of okay, you know, fair game. I remember there was a a good podcast by Adam Carolla and he says, the real problem with people is they've never played competitive sports where like you lose and then it's over. Okay. You win, you know, good, good for you. Okay. This was a contest. Let's go back. We'll play next week. You know, and now it's just constant politicking, which is part of that whole Russia nonsense is that once they lost, they just put a new agenda in. Bam. Collusion. There's no evidence. People are saying traitor. Like you're saying a traitor would, the the ex head of the CIA is calling Trump a traitor. What the hell? Never heard that in my life. That's an incredible statement. Back it up, right? You can't just say that. I would back it up, anyone. Anyway. So, you know, interesting things are definitely have
1: a foot. Yeah, You're living okay, in interesting yeah. times. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. And just again, like bringing everything back to your you've done so much research on Crowley. So when you look at something like that in the news, you can immediately bring your perspective to that. So are there any other things like in recent, in the media that are happening where you're just like shaking your head? You're like, oh, they don't know like what, what kind of pattern they're following of Crowley's kind of strategy or agenda of using falsehood and deception and Satanism. And I mean, has there been any other things recently that, that have been, um, yeah. I, would I would say, say
0: like, like Pizzagate, Pizza you know, no, it was, it was never, never properly investigated. There were all the glimmers and Podesta that these guys are occultists, and there's really no OTO chapter publicly in D.C., and people have surmised that that chapter is actually at Comet Ping-Pong, which is totally covered with occult stuff, witchcraft. The, hidden, the white and black moon comes right out of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eliphas Levy. Like, that whole thing in a comet is, like, very occult. It's interesting too because Alephantis was heavy duty into the art world, like a lot of these other occultists. And he was involved in an art organization out of England that Kenneth Anger and Donald Campbell and Yodorowski, these other high-end occultists, some of whom I cover and Children of the Beast are involved in. And so he, he actually operates in those circles at a very high level. And also um, he actually was a producer on a film. With Michael Stipe, and it was kind of like this glam, the feet. I can't remember the name of the film, but uh, he was a, all the band are always connected. So um, I think that those guys all probably are, I you know. And have you ever seen the picture of Podesta with Alanda? Uh,
1: um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's. Yeah, weird. that's There's true. so much stuff like that. It's like how did they? How did everybody just drop that? All of a sudden, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that kind of came and went. It was DeLong, Lavenda, the Ghost Rider, and Podesta. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think it would be out of the realm of the possibility that these guys are, uh, you know, working on the left hand path. You know that they're involved. There's all kinds of secret things. There was a fascinating statement of Lavenda. There was one of the, the, uh, I mean, sorry for Podesta. There was one of the emails that he was going to do some kind, of something in the dungeon, which was on like this, the, the blue moon, it was like the February 29th or something. And I was like, Oh my God, that's like, we're talking Damien Eglis kind of moon worship things where these guys may be heavy duty involved, you know? And I think people covered over and there was actually, there was a reference to the in, um, in the Podesta email. Somebody was asking Podesta for a Thalema, like a, like it was a blessing. And Crowley used that term as That was his idea. What he called his followers. So there was there was little hints within those uh, emails that showed some occultism. I need to get a little bit of water home. <clears throat> All right. Sorry about that. Well, that he was a Satanist, that he was anti-Christian, that he was trying to destroy Christianity through his works and create an alternate religion for humanity that took them away from the structure of Christian ideology based upon a higher being we call God or Heavenly Father, Son Jesus Christ, and taking them to a state where they are their own God, where every man and woman is a God that worships themselves in the context of a greater world full of spiritual entities and Satan, that would be, that would be it.
1: That's a good answer right there. Tracy Mihalek is listening. She says to understand the history and the roots, and Marathon is talking about the um, the the sickness in the film industry. Like, once you know this, you watch a movie and you're like, oh, I got that. Oh, I know, I know what they're doing there. Oh, yep, I see that. Oh, right. I know. No, no there's, there's a, lot. a lot. There's so, so many
0: 93s. You, you watch, watch these, these movies. Ones. I did a. Uh, documentary on i like it was i movie. It was super cheap i did it eight years ago but i just got, i put all this stuff together to show all the numerological references that are in films 11s 77s oliver stone lays it down man if you pay attention to the intro to natural born killers there's 11 77 66 these occult, occult numbers that reference crowley's lever oz and things like that so i think it's to be aware that these guys they won't tell you publicly that they're into the left-hand path, but they will show it. And there's some of uh, in Tarantino's films, so it's out there. And this is the ideas that these guys are promoting, maybe not in open speeches, but through their actions and their heart, you know? So I think if you're a Christian, you got to kind of be on point and, and spot that.
1: Do you think that there has been um, a setting back of the dark side recently, like you know, love or hate Trump, a lot of these things that were occult in the sense that they were hidden, the existence of the Illuminati or the NSA, for example, were all said to be conspiracy until now. I mean, I, every single classroom I walk into, and I do a lot of substitute teaching to pay the bills um, the last decade, and I've been teaching Taiwanese students, I use Chinese to tell them about all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, Illuminati, you know, and and they didn't know anything eight years ago. Now they ask me First, they're like, "Teacher, tell us about the Guangming Hui." I'm like, how did you know about the Illuminati? And then I'll tell them like for twenty minutes in kind of English Chinese, you know what it is. They know about it, and I'm like, "Where did you guys hear about this?" They're like, "Oh, YouTube, PewDiePie." <laughs> like, wow, how did we start winning? Like, when did this happen? But do you see that? Like, do you see a shift? You know, back into Absolutely. like I think you know? Trump is
0: was riding a wave of people wanting change and being. Uh, understanding these things that were under the surface and really weren't knowable prior to the internet, I actually think we're going through a process of humanity that's probably as important as you know the printing press, the the, the you know the Gutenberg what is it Gutenberg who was the guy who created the printing press in Germany
1: anyway no, something, something like, like that, that where
0: people are be able to communicate and exchange information and verify it that you really couldn't you really had. These spigots that everybody had to drink from—four main, <coughs> four main, like you know, channels—and very limited things that were all a lot of them were government assets or run by the the intelligence agents. You had some intelligence. Well, now that's gone, and you can still kind of spot the intelligence agents that are in the alternate media too if you're kind of savvy. But I think that people are able to ascertain. Like nobody could talk about skull and bones. 20 years ago they didn't know the connections now they can read it they can hear people talk about it they understand these secret ideas that were used to be initiatory through the masons or some other group you know they wouldn't know all this stuff so i do think that that's was that change and i think trump was one that's why people wanted somebody like trump maybe not trump with all of his you know kind of interesting characteristics but they wanted somebody different that's why none of those entrenched republicans could win that primary the republican primary they never got anything out of trump was for whatever for good or bad you know he was skilled but uh, that's why you know so i think that something happened like a stranglehold on the country of america that was really operated and dominated by people from yale you know clinton bush clinton was coming back and uh, you know you can see uh, Barack Obama as an intelligence asset, clear intelligence ties. So, you know, I think Trump was really a New York outsider, totally different person. So, Wow. And I mean, I mean look, you know, at, you look at, look at, at the, the economy. economy. He did something and changed from, something from these Leo, neoliberal doctrines where you could just ship out your, you know, infrastructure to China and let them make everything you want. All that's changed is repatriation, different tax codes. You let people repatriate money at a lesser tax, which, you know, both the economy so he's making changes that these other elites held in contempt you know which shows there to me it's kind of cruelly enslaved shall serve mentality who cares about the pearls? who cares about the people they can starve let them eat cake you know we can totally juice the economy destroy it in 2008 you know there are a lot of really strange things that happen. The whole global economy almost blew literally blew a fuse and almost uh didn't come back to life in 2008. And I think it was done intentionally by the Bush administration.
1: Yeah, that was the, 2008 was when I left the States thinking, okay, this is it. I'm I'm just going to be a, you know, an immigrant missionary to Asia and just forget America. There's no way they're coming back. And then the, the whole, um, the implosion happened then. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's all real. Like everything Alex Jones is talking about, it's all happening. And it started <clears throat> to really get confirmed then. And but nobody had it in the cards to see this revival of of the republic, and it's just amazing. Right. But um, I, w- I wanted to ask you some other questions. Um, have you done any work with uh, Douglas Dietrich, uh, the guy that w- worked with Aquino, Michael Aquino, for a while? I've, I've,
0: I've talked, talked to him, and talk, talk. I think that I've worked as a producer for the Ed Opperman Report. So I've had I've listened to his conversations with Ed, but I haven't worked with him. But I know. I think that his story bears out that he actually did work in the Presidio around keynote, and the timing was right. So, as far as I know, that his knowledge of that is correct.
1: We've done at least 10 or 12 interviews back when I first started podcasting, and I just couldn't uh, keep up with the guy. He's just literally a walking encyclopedia. I mean, his opinions and things you might not agree with, and some of the facts might not always be straight, but he's just like, He's the real thing. Like, he really does retain all these dates and facts and figures and um, said he had some kind of a, a blood transfusion and that um, he worked... I mean, I guess it's it's possible that am sure. What can you tell us about Michael Aquino for the people that don't know about him? Maybe we can just jump into that a little bit. Because, well, yeah. That's, that's interesting. interesting. I, I think he think was, he was actually, actually
0: an offshoot off- of one of these early... He was an offshoot of LaVey. So he started the Temple of Set in San Francisco. and you know, it worked in Nebraska, but he was an officer, really smart guy. His mom was one of the early graduates of Stanford University. And uh, he comes from, you know, intelligent background, but he works. He literally, there's pictures of him with his, I think, his colonel outfit. But one of the fascinating things that he was involved in is psychological operations. And he wrote a, facet, a leaked manual that came out called From Psyop to Mind War. And I forgot the subtitle, but it basically is you just constantly pound the population with psychological operations and all kinds of different technologies to get them in line. And I believe that that is actually available online. And the, the co-author is a guy by the name of Vileli, who is also on Fox News, is a, kind of a expert. Oftentimes I've seen him on there. But from PsyOp to Mind War, The Psychology of Victory, or something like that. It's a fascinating document because I do think that during the Bush administration, some of those uh, techniques were used on the American pop- population. I, do, I think that they were, we were all subjected to military-level psych- psychological operations over and over again, terror operations, you know, false flags. things so, you
1: know, might have been involved in that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, know the totality, totality of
0: what he was up to. to. But I think he wrote a book called, called you can can read read online, it's very long, but it references Crowley, and it's called The Book of Coming Forth by Night, I think is the title of it. Very long, a lot of biographical material, but um, he knows knows quite a bit about the occult.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, these guys get to do it, why don't we get to do it? Like, what if we just bombard the internet with truth? Like, I'm out there talking to people from morning (laughs) till night. Uh, people that just randomly find the fringe or they, you know, the Holy Spirit just leads you to people in the street sometimes. I got my first bank account going, and I'm sitting down getting, you know, the checking account and just started a conversate. Everybody's really friendly in Hawaii, so this guy just starts talking to me, and I, I'm like, yeah, well, he's like, what do you do? Oh, I just came back from Taiwan, and I do some, you know, I'm getting into podcasting, and you ever heard of the alternative media a little bit? And he started to, like, get this look in his eye, and he's like, well, what kind of podcasting? And then it took, like, a few sentences to, like, feel each other out. And the next thing I know, he, like, shows me his Instagram, and it's all, like, exposing the Illuminati and, like, all these things. He's like, actually, I've been thinking about starting a YouTube channel, but I didn't know if I could trust you. And it was like, dude, yeah, no, bro. I've had similar <laughs> so experiences,
0: yeah. He's only 25, yeah, you know. Yeah.
1: Once people, people let their kind of guard hard, down, they, and they start talking, talking to you, you like, yeah, yeah we're on the same thing. Yeah. And so there's this whole army out there that we need to recruit. Like you turn that mind war <clears> thing <throat> on its head, propaganda, once you start pushing the truth out there. And I've been i I've stood in court, I've stood against pedophiles in in government offices in Asia land where they're just, you know, lying and lying and I'm just standing there like, you know, I don't have to remember any lies. I don't have to cycle through all this timeline that you keep forgetting and screwing up. You know, All I have to do is keep speaking the truth. That's all I have to do. And I have my phone and I have a YouTube channel and I can just go live, you know, anytime I want and I can share you. this stuff. And they're terrified. They hate me because they're like, no, you're not allowed to do that. That's mean. Don't, you know, how pedophiles are always kind of like, oh, feel sorry for me. You know? And Douglas Dietrich was the one that really taught me about that. But, okay. you know, in dealing with these guys, you just have to keep telling the truth because they, they get under your radar and they they get you just by your emotions or whatever. And um, I just think we, we really, you know, we have an army here and we've got to find more um, more people. And I don't know how much time you yeah. have, but, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I said go two hours, hours
0: if you want oh, to go too. It's, two, it's two, up to you. I'll go one <laughs>
1: <go there> <laughs> We can Make go three, hours. four, I mean, it's up to it's up to my wifey, you know. I gotta gotta check in. Oh, I don't
0: want to treat. You know what? We, we can, can always, always pick take it back, back up. up. I don't, I don't want to treat on your honeymoon. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's part, part right. of our honeymoon okay. is getting oh, rid
1: of okay. Aleister Crowley. <laughs> okay, that's
0: good. exposing it.
1: But, but what can yeah, we say about yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, think it, it goes about, back. Yeah, it goes
0: back to you stating like all of this kind of censorship. I do believe that's part of it. You know, I believe Google was involved. That's. I mean, there's so many firings that have taken place. In the last year, that are very strange. Schmidt leaving Google with a cushy job, getting paid tons of money, doing what he knows to do. Like that was weird that he left, and he was very much involved in the Hillary campaign. And then, uh, you know, all these other companies, Twitter, Twitter shadow banning people. YouTube is actually involved in incredible censorship. Like the SGT report that does great reporting. They are so benign. They just never. The dude never swears. Never says anything wrong. Just has controversial guests gone, and they put his channel back up. But I think he got scared about it. Yeah, he had like three hundred thousand subscribers, huge, uh, you know, huge reach. So they're harassing all kinds of people. YouTube, they did it to Richie Allen out of the UK. All these guys are getting harassed just by having controversial alternative guests. So that that I think that that kind of thing is happening all over. At least the states, probably in the world.
1: Well, what what can be done? Like, let's say they shut down, um, you know, your YouTube channel, all these Facebook things. Okay, we've got Spreaker, we've got the French oh, radio. Now yeah, we have I our own website. I've had no problem with Vimeo.
0: You know, I uploaded my movie, "The Smiley Face Killers," to Vimeo, and they never have had me any problems. Nobody's ever the complaints have never done anything. It's never been censored. So, you know. I think that, that these alternate tech sites are going to work. I've done gab.i. You know, I just started, I used uh, BitChute. So just kind of leaving little spots. I don't have that huge of an audience or anything, but I'm ready to go. I don't even like being on Facebook, to be honest with you. I would love to lose my Facebook account. It's just
1: that's like that's the most people that I can reach. I don't oh, get yeah, on Facebook where oh smiley face killers you got you got to, and we need to specify the title because I found another documentary on YouTube and watched right. about half of it and then I realized it wasn't your documentary and I was like right. shoot at least I know something about the subject but um but Tracy Malik mock- actually a mock-
0: documentary mock- but yeah the, the my Mike- total whole title is the smiley face killers who was abducting torturing and murdering young men in the U S and U K which basically goes into this whole phenomenon. The last quarter century, 20 years of young men going out, drinking at night, disappearing for a week, two weeks, and then being found in water. So it's available on Vimeo under that title. And i generally really good responses, you know. I think a lot of people open their eyes to this phenomenon. I cover about 50 cases of all these young men, the same thing happening. Out at night, disappeared, found in water. And then turned accidental drowning, which is a mistake, in my opinion.
1: Right, and the big, the I mean, even in the preview, just and the other, the documentary. It's obvious that the authorities are just kind of either they're bought out or they're lazy because they'll find the body is is waterlogged and it's water covered with water for ninety days, and the effects of like torture are are hard to be found. But then, it's um, wrong.
0: That's, that's true. true. But, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a pretty, pretty brutal, brutal um, tale, tale. But yeah, but they had something that just happened. Um, really amazing thing, which, and one of these cases that happened in the UK, the kid, the young man's name was, I believe Cor, Corwell, but they actually, the police there researched that case and came out and flat out said they don't know how he entered the water, which is a much different, um, result from the police than they had done, um, in the past. So it, uh. I think that the opinions are are slowly changing. There's a lot of different people working on it, not just me so a
1: and of, that's uh, the way that that's a good thing journalism. right like we want to have it's almost like an open source investigation you know you've got William Ramsey investigates, you've got your podcast, you've got your documentary you've got tons of other documentaries. Which ones can we trust though you just, you said the big one on YouTube is a mockumentary. Tell us a little bit right. about why that is
0: <clears throat> well there's there's a lot of misinformation and, and I think some of this in, misinformation is, is intentional. I do believe people are covering stuff up. And I think that that is, is one example that smiley face killers, but um, the, uh, that, that movie is pretty interesting. It looks semi legit on the surface, but it's all fake. And all the, I think all the people in there are fake, but uh, there are other people working on it. They're, there's a guy out of Manchester who's coming out with a documentary that I'm in on the man. What they call it, the Pusher. There was another girl. Her name was Elise Soper, out of Boston. He wrote about the strange drownings in Boston, and her her website exploded. You know, it was like she. All these people kind of came out and said, "These are these are there's something really wrong with all this stuff." So um, that was another one, and. You know, so it, uh, there are definitely things changing. A lot of people are are realizing it, that, and there's been a few pretty good books. One of the mothers of the victims, Jan Jenkins, wrote a book about her son, Chris Jenkins, who was one of the, uh, one of the victims. So, you know, a lot of these, these people are aware that something's going on. Trying to
1: find this um, if if anybody's interested to listen to uh, Janet Woods' testimony, she was in a, a a satanic cult and was witness to child sacrifice and cannibalism and just the most horrible perverted things ever. <laughs> and it's it's called satanic ritual abuse. More and more people are becoming aware of that. I'm sure you've heard of Russ Dizdar. Um, sure. Now, do you think that uh, these killers, do you think they're connected to a satanic cult? Because it just seems way too well organized. Like, it, it really sounds like a satanic cult, and it's on the East Coast, which is like the breeding ground for that kind of stuff, mostly. Uh, the,
0: right, the guy I was talking about was James Corfield out of uh, Wales. That was the name I was trying to remember. But yeah, I mean, I in, in the documentary, I talk about Satanists, so, you know, as one of my potential perps. So, um, you know, I think I you know, there's, there's something that's in some of these books about taking people and ritually drowning them. It's a form of sacrifice. So I do believe some of these, that's what's happening, is that these are satanic victims. Yeah. Not all. I do What my, my basic conclusion is that somebody has found out how to perpetrate the perfect crime and has taught people through the dark web or some kind of means of talking through fetish sites, fet life or something like that and that's what's become known as the Smiley face me.
1: Can't there be some investigators that pretend to be like a murderer in learning and go and re- like, how do I do that? And go and find, you know, that dark <clears throat> web there's a, thing. There's a lot like-
0: independent thing going on, you know, so I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I, you know, I was tempted to go on the dark web or go on to Life and, you know, it just was a little too much. I did watch a movie that was on Netflix called Kink. And I think that that, um, that something like that has happened, definitely something really dark, like Days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah type stuff is going on. <clears throat> I think that the real the real thing is, is that men don't think that, and men and their families and people don't think they're going to be a victim. And so I think that that's why people haven't put all the cases together, because it's a, a smaller part of the population who is, uh, that's their target group. And also, I think it's covered up because all of these places where they're happening, these big cities, the colleges and all of the people do not want to create a panic. They don't want their kids not to be sent to the college. Boston has a vested interest in maintaining the peace and security of their students there. It's a huge interest, huge industry in Boston, for example. So they would not want to ever verify. That there are serial killers predating upon college students. Somebody actually likened it to Amityville and Jaws, where you know they're not going to they're not going to say there's a shark in the water. I'm telling you, there are multiple sharks in the water, and you know, women. That the other thing is that women are very attuned going out that they could be drugged. I think that that's known in that group that you know things can go wrong. They go out on a date or Turn their back, they watch their drink, men don't. And I think a lot of, you know, if you look at all those cases, there's a, a, probably a majority of all of them have been spiked with
1: GHB or Ruhitnol.
0: You know, somebody got spiked, or, and then things went south from there.
1: Wow. And so there's no, mm-hmm. um, like, pentagrams found, you know, washed well, in their back. That's that interesting. Like, yeah, the smiley face, face symbol, symbol
0: itself is an occult symbol, right? It's used in the occult. I actually came across something of a smiley face shown in Untermyer Park where the Process Church used to do its rituals. Uh, Russ Dizdar knows a lot about that. Um, uh, but you can trace the smiley face back to the acid house scene. You can trace it through Alan Moore, the uh, book, the, the Watchmen book series with the comedian who has the smiley face symbol and thinks that murdering is a joke. If you look and read through um, the watchman, and I covered in the documentary. He, the the comedian is before he gets killed, which starts off the, the whole narrative of the watchman, he is in Vietnam just randomly slaughtering people, doesn't care, it's a big joke, and that's what I believe that symbol represents. It's pretty fascinating too because there was a sh- this show. If you've watched Stranger Things, have you watched Stranger Things? The very yeah, end yeah. of the show is they show the smiley face it's that's a i don't know they must there's some kind of thing they either listen. i'm convinced that they've listened to my podcast or something for a variety of reasons one they included the name of the victims of the west memphis 3 in their buyers and they put the the more name for the west memphis 3 and these kids are always on bikes if you watch them they're riding around on bikes like the victims of the west memphis 3 so this kind of visual motif Is through there. They included the smiley face in that. They included this whole smiley face. And in my book, Prophet of Evil, I list the 77 names of Satan. And one of those 77 names is the Demogorgon. So it's almost bizarre how they integrated these kind of things that I've been talking about in that whole show. And there's a couple other visual references that I can't remember there, but. The Stranger Things feature, if you look at, see, I think it's eight episodes, right? The eighth episode has a smiley face before the final thing of the Demogorgon comes through right there at the very end, of season one.
1: And that's, yeah. for people who don't know the show, that's uh, the monster, right? The uh, the interdimensional Perfect. creature that just... It's an a interdimensional a monster. They're
0: an upside down. There's a different, different um, plane or whatever, a different thing. And there's actual elements in there that that show ritual stuff like the it's fast there's like to, the one of the sequences shows this girl bleeding in a pool and then the demogorgon shows up so there's like a blood element they show it vis- visually they don't explain it but it has this kind of uh, sex magical in invocation element to it I can't remember which part of that sequence but I'm looking I'm like oh this is like a ritual I get it and then the demon corrigan shows up. So
1: and, and you uh, can tie this you know, stuff all back. I mean, everything, everything, one more, more thing, thing I remember
0: ever. about the first part of the series, they're using numerology. They're very clever about it, but the kids are talking about numbers, and I believe they say something about 77. One says, how many times is it? Seven. Oh, now i got to go seven times. So they're using, they integrate it into the first episode as well. So they, they, they thought of a lot about make writing that. That's why it's a good show.
1: Tracy Mihalek, thanks for the comment. She said that it sounds like the creature frozen at Montauk. Well, the show was originally going to be called Montauk, and apparently Netflix said no, and so they they just put some stuff in there about MK Ultra, and all of that stuff connects. Like I don't know if you're familiar with the Super Soldier community; they're, they're kind of new age. But I don't um, Douglas Dietrich has a lot to say about those guys, and James Casbolt. Um, they all have these really bizarre stories, and all of them seem like they're kind of brainwashed. Like, you don't know how much to believe, but they believe them. And one of them actually uh, was found dead in Poland a few years ago. I always forget his name, but huge story.
0: Oh, Max, Max Spears?
1: Spears, Max Spears. So no. that was one of these super no. soldier guys.
0: No, no, um, no. He's, 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 he's,
1: no that, that guy's totally, totally discredited, discredited was, I mean, that's what I thought, but he was found dead yeah. with black bile well, and well, all that.
0: I mean, he did, uh, some of that stuff is fake, but the real inside story is he was a drug user and <clears> the <throat> only people who, yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak poorly of the dead, but he, there was an understory there that, um, he, you know, he, he was like a Corey Good type. You know. so
1: okay. Not, so not, not, nothing was verified.
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you stuff offline, but <clears throat> he was not a—he was not a super soldier. He knew how to talk, the kind of conspiracy, kind of smack like a rapper, where he could bounce around and talk about that. And so he found a niche, and uh, you know, he—he—he—he—he he, 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 he was a dude.
1: <clears throat> meth will do terrible things to you. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, Johnny has some stories about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Listen to any Iron Show, <laughs> really fun. <laughs> Love you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. I, I would. I would also say though that a lot of these guys, they either they're really good at lying to themselves, or they really were brainwashed to believe this stuff at some point. Because um, well, that's
0: an point. excellent point. So, so there, there may be, be some mind control in a lot of those people. If you look at this guy Andrew Basagio do you know who that is?
1: Yeah, I'm in contact with him, but I haven't done the show so, with him yet. But I mean, he's an attorney, too. He's a lawyer. He sounds really, really like he believes what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think he believes it. So that, that so-called transportation to Mars with the, uh, that he took with um, Obama and then fought off dinosaurs, that building is right where I next to where I live. I've driven by there 5,000 times at least. And I've never seen the elevator that shoots you to Mars. All I see in there is a bunch of office surfs hammering paperwork and looking like they'd just rather be at the beach because they have that building has open glass windows. So the likelihood of that being a, a space space shooting elevator to Mars is somewhere between zero and nil, and no way in hell. There's no way. So, yeah, he's an interesting character. And I think he got his start talking to Ramtha, right? Wasn't he like a Jay-Z Knight? Do you know who Jay-Z Knight is?